This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey, Gary. I don't know why that still makes me laugh. The, the beatboxing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I love V-Con, it. V-Con, V-Con, it's coming. Is it coming? V-Con is coming. We're a month, a uh, little short of a month away. Um, can the big marketing festival. I know you and I are working on that. We're in the depths of 2022. Uh, obviously, Vayner Media has been getting a ton of industry accolades. So our new business team is crazy busy. And I know you've been busy interacting with all of the marketers as well. And it's just nice to be back on marketing for the now. Yeah, I know it's great. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about some of those hot takes. We're kind of yeah. What are we? We're we're into Q1. We're heading into Q2 big time. So let's. Uh, we got a great lineup. We're gonna have kick things off with Sophie Bambuck. She's the CMO of Everlane, and she's the first ever CMO at Everlane. But she comes from a 13-year career at Nike, and she held roles as CMO of Converse and headed up brands for Nike Sportswear as well. So welcome, Sophie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hi, guys. Hi, Soph. How Hi, are Gary. you? I'm good. I'm good. It's great How to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, oh. same here. <laughs> Let's get right into it. You know, we only have 10 minutes. These things go fast. So what are your hot takes for 2022? In the first kind of three, three and a half months, give me something that you had a hypothesis going into 2022 on that's working and give me something that in the last... 14, 15 weeks is starting to really bounce around in that brilliant marketing head of yours of like, oh man, we need to do more of this or we're not taking this serious or what's that shiny thing over there? Is that is that just sizzle or is there steak under that sizzle? Yeah, uh, I don't know about brilliance. Uh, uh, I'll just share what I, <laughs> I'll just share what's in my head. Um, I think the the big thing, and obviously I work at, at Everlane um, and it's not because it's Earth Month or anything, but I think the topic of sustainability is a big one. And I think it's becoming, it's ramping up. Um, if you think about how it took like a major event for kind of like DEI efforts to be on everybody's minds. And I don't mean just corporate, like from a brand and marketing standpoint, it became like, what is it that we're saying? What are we doing? I think sustainability is seeing this um, happening. I think it's on everybody's mind. The problem, I think, in my opinion, is that nobody's figured out how to make sustainability sexy. Nobody's figured out how to make it something that is um, honestly interesting. And so it's, it's one of those where you're seeing it more and more. I mean, uh, and obviously I follow sustainability closely, but whether it's media uh, just pushing, you know, through PR, you know, media articles, every brand, every collection, you know, from an apparel standpoint, everybody's coming out with their sustainability take, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm sorry to jump in, but... Yeah. I will tell you, because I do this for a living, when you look at the interests of 18 and under, this is now table stakes. This is not sizzle. Like I, I have a 12 year old daughter. She doesn't even think in the concept of a product. It's a cost of entry. It's almost as if like <clears throat> there's no other perspective. And sure. you obviously your company was such a pioneer, but the companies that are, doing a you know this is business life right where you're making mm -hmm. a lot of money you're not sustainable if they don't figure that out within this decade i i think the market is going to be very cruel to them you know everyone's everyone's lightweight altruistic in business world about issues that matter the second the consumer turns on you you very much you know you could be the least 
earth-loving oh, right. person on earth, the second the consumers only buy if it is a yeah. hundred, and that and that's yeah. what I keep telling my friends. I'm like, we're now in yellow. This isn't red. We're in yellow, totally. and it's about to go green, and they're gonna all leave you behind. That's just business talk. Not even, hey, let's live on this earth. Totally. We don't have, and and arguably, I don't think we have ten years to figure it out. I actually think we've had the past ten years to figure it out. We haven't figured it out. Now we gotta hurry up and actually get together. And I think those. One of the issue also why it's not getting figured out faster is that everybody's using sustainability as a competitive advantage, mm. right? So like you're actually looking at, here's what I'm doing. Here's my shiny object. Here's why you should come to me where really to actually figure it out, you, it actually requires collaboration because nothing happens in isolation when you have a brand new concept or, or idea. And so, but you're totally right. I mean, I think I just saw a report recently that was just saying that um, brand name, you know, there's still a lot of retailers who assume that brand name um, uh, have more value in the consumer eyes nowadays where actually we're seeing that consumers are starting to value product sustainability over brand name. Like there's a transition starting to happen, but you're definitely to your point, like you're definitely seeing it much more in that younger audience. A lot of Everlane's consumer is still, you know, millennials. And I mean, they've been on it for a while, but it was like a nice to have versus a must have. That younger audience, it's a must-have. So you have to figure it out. Um, and maybe in a way, it's a hot take, but a hot topic for 2022, but also like uh, an ask. Uh, we all need to get on it together because otherwise we're never going to figure it out. Like it's it's hard to figure out on your own. Let's, let's talk about the marketing of it. You know, I was just in the Discord while you were talking, talking to my friend Homie in the Be Friends Discord. I'm looking at what's going on on TikTok. You know, when you're running a business where you know the data is so clear, under 25, under 30, I've got an audience that's fully bought into what I'm saying for the last seven minutes. Over 35, there's a percentage, and as you get older, and so we're going through this thing. Not that the OGs don't remember Earth Day. They went crazy on Earth Day back in the day, but you know, it is, it is that. What do you think about, from a marketing standpoint, getting that message out for some of the new stuff? How do you think about Discord? How do you think about TikTok? Where are you and the brand on that journey? Yeah, we're, we're scratching the surface, I think, um, but we're getting in it. I think TikTok has the opportunity. TikTok is a great place to educate people. TikTok is where you get all your tips. TikTok is where you're getting like, I mean, I just learned how to like make a dish on TikTok like recently. It's just like, it's one of those where, and I'm obviously older, so I used to maybe TikTok a little bit differently, but it's a place where you can actually educate, go and educate. The dilemma right now, I think, I really think cancel culture is hurting everybody. This idea, you know, I think cancel culture is making everybody avoid risk because there's an expect expectation that we're at perfection and that, you know, progress yeah. doesn't need to, and experimentation think, doesn't need to happen. You think the overaggressive canceling, even on subtle things, is creating an overreaction to just vanilla work? A hundred percent. It's It's the danger we're in right now. It's in order to succeed, you have to try and you have to be okay failing. And right now, failing is no longer accepted um, in some parts. And, and I think yep. that's the danger of cancel culture. It's like, if you're not perfect, you could get where canceled. Where companies have a real tough time. So for example, as a personal brand, and I know that, I have a big audience as a human being, I'm, I take a ton of risks. But the reason I do is because I know my intent, right? I know my intent, totally. which means, God forbid if I misstep, which for somebody who speaks so much, I've done pretty well because of my intent. Yeah. But if I do, 
I'm incredibly capable of saying I'm sorry as a human being. And yeah. I've done that last 15 years publicly when I've had to. I think for brands, brands also often do have good intent. A lot of times not, yeah. but a lot of times more so than, you know, I'm under the hood now for the last 13 years. It's not like they're trying to do the worst of all time. No, the problem is people. when, <laughs> that's right. The problem is they suck and I'm sorry. Yeah. They yeah, I think suck that, like and transparency, I, like transparency is so important. It's like, here's why we did this. Um, and here's why we did this. And here's why we're not there yet. Or here's why we failed. Um, like actually like last, last year we had this whole thing around like the last percent. We're almost there on no longer using virgin plastic, but we're not all the way there because we haven't figured everything out. And you have to be honest. You have to be transparent. You have to be authentic. Um, and your mission has got to be, like it can't just be a display for the consumer. It's got to be something you live and breathe as a company and actually kind of like do everything uh, for. And to your yeah, point, I, think, I, don't, I just don't do that. Yeah, a lot of companies are confused as if they have to be perfect. I keep telling yeah. people, if you look carefully, if it's okay to be like, yo, we sell this. Like it's actually okay. It's when you try to make pretend you're not selling this you're like, yo, I'm da, da, da. but you like, that's where people get crazy. Yeah, totally. I totally. mean, it's also, it's also when people start uh, virtue signaling others when they're vulnerable and sustainability. I have so many friends who are passionate about it, which makes me passionate about it. I'm passionate about it. But what I don't do is shit on everybody for every move, because when I have friends who shit on everybody for it, I'm like, well, what about what the plane you took? Like literally yeah, have Wealthy friends who try to shit on people for sustainability while flying private planes all around the country when they don't always have <laughs> yeah. to. You know, and yeah. so I think hypocrisy is a devastating blow. For sure. And it, it, again, I think everybody that is touching, that's right, I shouldn't say, a lot of people who are in the sustainability space really are there for the right reasons and it's the right intention. I think it's everybody needs to get in it. Everybody needs to have um a point of view at least and be able to respond to it so that they don't get left behind like every brand now has to have some sort of responsibility to it and it's really about figuring out how to make it interesting and simple for the consumer to understand it because i mean it's major science and it's complex so we have to boil it down to the essential and to we need to figure out how to make it sexy agreed yeah. so thanks for being on the show continued success Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you, Sophie. So Gary, next up we have Gretchen Rubin. She is one of my favorites. She is my podcast girl crush. She's an expert on habits, happiness, and human nature. She's a three times New York Times bestselling author, a blogger, a speaker, and she just received nominations for two Webby Awards. Welcome, Gretchen. Hello, I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Hey, Gretchen. Hey. Um, let's go right into it. Short 10 minutes. What are your hottest takes with consumer behavior in 2022? What are you seeing? 
One of the things I'm seeing is I think people are very focused on our five senses. I think we've been, you know, distanced from each other. We've been behind screens. We haven't been showing up. And people I see are just hungry. They want to touch. They want to taste. They want to smell. They want to, like, feel those air currents between them and other people. They want to show up. They want to be in person. And I think anything that offers kind of this tactile, physical, concrete experience gets people very excited, whether it's, like, like I had a taste party for a bunch of friends and I just had a bunch of like weird tastes for us all to experiment with, or like, here are the three kinds of apples, like, you know, rate them, um, a planetarium, um, a museum exhibit that is a, like that experiments with sound, um, you know, in, in immersive, like how many things now, right? That's like the word everybody's using is immersive, but that's because it's irresistible. We're so hungry to show up that I think that that is driving a lot of what pe what people are looking for. Let's keep building up. I'm going to go back to that. What else? What else is uh or or double clicking into details on that? Um, what what else? There's so many entrepreneurs watching right now that are trying to figure right. out where's the opportunity. There's a lot of parents on here. What's the opportunity for right. happiness? What are you, what what other things are you seeing? Knowing that this is what you spend well, your time and energy. Well, another thing that I'm seeing that's sort of like a less joyful and happy, but also very important to our happiness and health and productivity and creativity is habit formation. You know, everybody is because of this magic, a massive disruption that we've all experienced. And we're sort of coming out of that disruption, but things are not going back to the way they were. A lot of people are having very different um, work looks very different, how they show up, when they show up. And I think just traditionally, a lot of us ever since, you know, we went to kindergarten, we kind of a five day, two day way of setting up our lives. We did certain things during the week. We did certain things during the weekend. This is how we exercise. This is what time we went to bed. This is how we ate. These are the snacks that we had. This is just the rhythm of our family life, our friend life, our work life. And, you know, now this is all just getting turned upside down for many people. So like, yeah, maybe your kid goes, you know, to fourth grade five days a week, but you do not go to the office. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, Gretchen. Uh, no, on, on that, I have a really interesting back to behavior and all that. Do you feel, because it's a profound point what you just made, do you feel that the way we are trained up in school for behavior should now start to be talked about a little bit more because it makes people incredibly non-adaptable in a world where the speed in which the world is moving because of the internet and the blockchain is so profoundly different than the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, do you think that there needs to be a bigger conversation of how many people go through the structured school system to the detriment of their adulthood? Well, I would actually zoom it back even more. And I don't even think it's about the school system. I think it's much more individual. And one of the things I spend a lot of time is like thinking about how different people respond differently. Some people really flourish in structure and they need outer accountability and that's how they thrive and that's what they need and that's fine. Other people yep. resist accountability. They don't want someone looking over their shoulder. They don't want someone micromanaging them. They, want, they do better when they have a lot of freedom, when they're choosing what they want to do. Gary, I think I have an instinct about which category you're fitting into. Um, well, it's, it's actually, it's, it's funny though, it, when you were delivering the sentence and to your point, it, I actually think the first version is fake accountability, right? Like I actually obsess over accountability so much, like I adore accountability. 
and but when it's when it's a where the, where you're accountable to a structure for the sake of the structure, it's like having meetings for the sake of meetings. If the mm. KPI is the meeting, not the actual thing, the whole thing's. Okay, well, I just have to say, if people want to take a quiz and find out where they fit into to a framework that does this, they can go to my website and look for Gretchen Rubin Four Tendencies Quiz because I have so many thoughts about this. But I think, like, I would talk about outer accountability. Like, some people need outer right. accountability. They need a work deadline. They need somebody to be answerable to. If they're going to work out, they need to work out with a friend or a trainer or whatever, or they need a deliverable yep. or they need a customer or a client. And some people don't need that. And I don't think that it's better or worse to need it or not need it. It's more a question of like, well, what do you need? What do you need and how do you thrive? Right. And the fact is, because of the way it was set up, a lot of us just like if we needed that, we could just plug into a typical office environment. And it gave us whether we wanted that or not, we got it. For some people, yeah. that was great. For some people, that was terrible. And now those people are thriving because they're out. They have this freedom and flexibility they've always sought and maybe couldn't get. But then there are yeah. some people who are like, wow, I miss what I had. I need to replace what I had. And if I don't understand what I need, I might not set myself up for success. Or if I'm managing a team, I might not understand different team members need different things. We got to rethink this. We got to recreate it. What does that look like? I couldn't agree more. I, I love that point. I, you know, it would be so much more exciting if we stood up self-awareness and built that up. I mean, to me, it's been the foundation of my happiness, yeah. success, the way the world, to me, success is a mental game, not the tangible items you can buy with money. And I think to, to your point, the question becomes, what do we do with the half of the 50% of people, 30% of people that are being pushed through a system and a modern parenting infrastructure that tells them they're not doing well? Where's the options? For, you know, being an 18 or 22 year old to finally find that freedom after a machine or a culture has told you you're not gonna be great is great for the ability to deal with negative feedback, but for a lot of people that don't have a parenting infrastructure that builds up their self-esteem to fight the world, they believe the world. I, I just think you're so right that what we need is insight into how people are different from each other. And instead of saying like, okay, there's this procrastinate bed, everybody's got to jam their way in. It's the best way. It's the right way. It's the only way. It's the way we've done it. It's to say, hey, different people need different things. How do we get people what they need? And maybe that's going to take some experimentation because you 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 want to, you try this, you try that. Maybe something works. Maybe something sounds great, doesn't work for you. But instead of having this assumption that there's one right way, that if we could just find it or force everybody to do it, because what a lot of people do is they say, well, this works for me. So that's going to work for you. No, why? No. You're a morning person. I'm a night person. I love simplicity. Yeah. Love abundance. You like to sprint. I'm a marathoner. There's and, no right and, way, no wrong way. And giving people permission to evolve. I mean, it's you know yeah. who I'm at 16 and 32 and 44 are three different versions of myself, and yeah. giving us the opportunity to breathe a little bit and feel comfortable within our own skin as we progress is profound. I, I, I want to go back to an incredible insight you started this with. I love this sensory thing. I think there's, you know, back to making this maybe a little bit about business and less about societal norms. Um, I think for the people that heard that and can dig into you a little bit more on your site and your socials here for people that I wanna follow, I think you're very much onto something on the sensory part. People definitely are yearning. I mean, look, 
there's a lot of COVID going on right now. And the collective society's like, we're, we're done. Like we're tired. We're going to like, like we're struggling, which is a, you know, we're struggling to accept it and kind of just trying to push through it, which also equals to me a very real validation of your hypothesis that you started here with or your observations that you're seeing. I think sensory is a big opportunity for 2022 and 23. Well, and look at your conference. Like it's, it's, people are flooding into it. People want to be in person. They want to show up. They want to be with other people. Um, I think that that desire to show up, to travel, to experience is going to be kind of irresistible, as you say, sort of like people are like, I got, I, 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 I want it. Yeah. Gretchen, continued success. Great to see you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Gretchen. Gary, next we bring up Rachel Tipograph, founder and CEO of Micmac, a global e-commerce enablement and analytics platform for brands. And we've known uh, Rachel for a while, but before she, she founded Micmac, Rachel was at Gap as the company's youngest ever global director of digital and social media. And after she left Gap, she traveled the world for 100 days before she came, gave birth to this new company. Welcome, Rachel. Hi. Hey, Hi, Rachel. How's it going? Things are well. Um, as many of my most intense hardcore fans know, I adore this woman. She is someone I give a lot of public roses to because I love sitting on her board and interacting with her and I cheer for her. And I am always thirsty for more opportunities to hang out with Rach. How are you? I'm great. I'm in the office. I like see that. 2019 here. Uh, well, um, so appreciative for your support. Thank you. Um, let's go into it. What are you seeing? I mean, I think you're one of the stronger observers. That's why I'm a fan. Um, and, uh, and I would love to hear your first 15, 16 weeks into the year insight around e-commerce, big brands and e-commerce influencers or anything else you've decided to uh, get uh, intrigued by. Yeah. Um, so for context, you know, my business, we work with CPG brands anywhere ranging from 50 billion in revenue to 50 million. And so I thought, Gary, you and I could talk about retail media. So, yeah. you know, when I started Micmac going on seven years ago, retail media represented anywhere between five and 20% of brands budgets. Today, any customer I talk to, it's anywhere between 50 and 75%. And the reason why is that in many ways, it's guaranteed ROI. You give Amazon yeah. a dollar, they know exactly who to go and target. Now, the challenge with retail media historically is that there hasn't been enough supply, right? There's only so many people that you can reach within Amazon.com, Target.com, Walmart.com. And so yep. what's happened over the last 18 months is the retail media groups have recognized this. And they're starting to try to figure out how do I create more supply? So you see like Walmart teaming up with the trade desk. What's also happening right now in the ecosystem that's causing retail media to rise is the changes that have happened between what I like to call Apple, Google, and Facebook. You know, industry headlines talk about a movement towards consumer data privacy. I don't really think it's about that. I think that nope. Apple woke up one day realized that they weren't monetizing traffic within their phone, that their biggest competitors were monetizing that. And so Apple said, how do I make Google and Facebook's life a lot more difficult? 
and fundamentally change the way that all of us have to go to market, which is it is so difficult now to essentially execute the playbook that, you know, Gary, you and I grew up with, which was the ability to remarket to someone on the internet because it takes multiple touch points to close a sale. That's right. And Remarketing through cooking people's browsers or phones or things of that nature. And the ad showing up a third, a fourth, a fifth time, you were in a shopping cart, you let it sit, you go somewhere else to ESPN, all of a sudden there it is again. You're like, all right, boom. And that the data showed that that was an incredibly effective way to get it closed. And then you just run the math on how much all those ads cost you versus the profit you made against the thing. And away we go. Exactly. Sales. Now, you know, I think sales, right? Which kind of actually reached in a lot of ways, killed marketing creativity in a lot of ways because everyone became so CAC and LTV'd out. And it's going to be really interesting. You know, I think about um, donuts. Mm -hmm. I love them. Mm -hmm. A donut can be dry and I and still delicious, and I think of that as sales. It's still a donut, it's good, mm -hmm. but you give me a moist, soft donut that like yep. melts in your mouth, that's brand, that's marketing, and that tastes even more delicious. You're absolutely right, but because people have become so reliant on essentially a dollar in equals a dollar fifty out of return. They're now leaving environments like Facebook and they're moving into retail media. But there's a challenge right now. And this is, this is sort of what I'm feeling in the ecosystem over the last 16 weeks, which is that retail media is where social media was in 2009. So it is completely siloed. Yep. There is no standardization, very few self-serve tools, and it is really painful. So if you talk to CPG brand manufacturers, they don't love talking about retail media. First reason why is that more and more power is shifting to the retailers. So global supply chain crisis, rising prices in fuel, like it kind of sucks right now to sell consumer products. It's more expensive than ever before. The retailers recognize this. They need to be able to offset their margins. Best way to do that is with advertising, because guess what we learned? Advertising is a great business. And so they're being squeezed for dollars, but then it is so painful to execute. There's gaps in reporting and there's no standardization. And so one of the things that I feel really strongly about, and I'm talking with all the advocacy groups in our industry, ANA, IAB, like there needs to be a new dialogue around creating standardization in retail media so everyone can scale together. Now, playing this out for you, what I think is about to happen is retail media, it will scale, it'll reach that $100 billion that BCG talks about, and then it'll become inefficient. And then people are going to start to swing back towards brand. So they're going to go back to Facebook, they're going to go to Snap, but then the attribution isn't going to be there. And that's, that's going right. to be the next conversation. A hundred percent. And what I'm most passionate about is I love marketing and sales and back to my donut analogy, marketing has left the room because the only marketing is television commercials and that's the worst garbage on earth in 2023. Mm -hmm. 
not watch network television commercials. And so we have this incredible opportunity to start building brand and social through brand work that is not measurable the same way that these brands want. And they have to start having a better conversation of understanding, it's like a fighter in MMA. You got a left hand, you got a right hand. So many people are trying to fight with just one hand and which hand is it? And boy, oh boy, is it a wild matrix out there right now. But I think, Gary, I know you're super passionate about it and I, I understand you know, everything that you're saying, but that's internally at these organizations, marketing and sales, it's moving closer together. It's actually being that's, centralized. By the way, that's great. The problem, that's not the, I mean, that's phenomenal because that's business. Go ahead. Right. But what, but the KPI is becoming more and more sales and less and less brand but, every day. By the, by the way, which is actually fantastic. What nobody understands yet is, Sales is just bad marketing. <laughs> meaning, meaning, yep. there you go. Meaning, yep. it's very lovely. I sold almost a million dollars worth of Refriends hoodies, not because I cookied all these people in the chat, but because yep. I built brand. Brand is sales. These did not cookie my phone. Mm -hmm. They did this. And I think, to your point, and by the way, I love it because I love doing digital sales to give me air cover to do proper digital branding. I think the, the, the challenge with these brands is that still, which is just crazy to me, you know, I've been doing this part of the industry for 15 years. They still rely on these media mix models to essentially spit out how much revenue do we drive? And it just comes down to that conversation. Bullshit reports. You know what it reminds me of? This, you know what this is? <laughs> What, your first your first sale? Oh, your high school, your secondary school report card. I, my high school report card. You know what I call this? A bullshit report. You wanna hear one? You wanna hear one, Rach? Let's hear it. Sophomore, sophomore year, speech. It's right there, speech. Yep. You see it? How'd you do? Speech, yep. you see it? CP, D, nope. oh, you got a D, wow. I got a D in speech. Yeah. Amazing. What else you want to know about reports. Yeah, yeah no, I, I totally understand. Um, so anyway, I, I think your point's taken. And I think for, for a lot of people, because these are all so short and I got to move the show along. Rachel has consistently, I invested. Rachel, how fast did I invest in your company in our first meeting? Honestly. Three minutes. Three minutes. Say it for everybody one more time. Three minutes. How many years later are we here? Seven and a half. Seven and a half years ago, in three minutes of conversation, I wrote a check into Rachel's company. Why? Because I had an intuition that has been proven very, very true in the last seven and a half years, which is this woman's ability to adjust to the reality of the marketplace is real. And I have that so I can sense it and very few people have it. If you're interested in what Rachel's talking about here, which is absolutely, 1,000% true on the concept of big brands moving a lot of their media dollars into the Walmarts and the Targets and the other retailers' media offerings. There's a ton of innovation and business and opportunity in there, and I highly recommend you get very close to the things that she's writing about, podcasting about. You can learn something. You'll probably ask her for a job on your second piece of content consumed, and if nothing else, it's just good for you to know her. Thank you, Thanks, Gary. Rachel. Appreciate your time. Cheers. Thanks, Rachel.
Thanks, Gary, for putting in the time. All, all kinds of chat going on. And how does he do it all? How is he How is he working on VCon and he's jumping on this show? I'll tell you how. Because I didn't respect the system. Because I said, this system. That's why. Because this system told me to do one thing. This system told me to do one thing. And I told the system they were wrong. They are wrong. You're so much more than a C plus. You're an A plus plus plus. Thank you, Gary. I would have taken a, I would have taken a C plus, by the way. On the record, I would have taken it just to, just to zoom in here. Just to remind. That's right. Do you see the GPA? Look at the class rank. Tell me what I can't see it, Gary, honestly. My class rank was 243 out of 254. I was the, I was the 11th, 12th worst student in the entire class. I had a 1.67 GPA. Oh, my God. Yeah, and now and now look where you are, and that's why you're revolutionizing everything. And the best part is, you know what's you know the look where I am now has nothing to do with the business success. What what I really learned in high school was that I was not willing to go to the final level of popularity by compromising my kindness. In high school, to be the super most popular, you have to be willing to pick on people. That was just the culture. And I wasn't willing to compromise that. And so what I really learned at high school and look at who I am now is I'm a nice person. And that was the, and to be able to go through high school and deal with peer pressure at that level and not compromise your soul and your kindness is the thing I'm most proud about. Not the fact that I became a very good businessman with bad grades. Yeah. And we're so lucky to be at Vayner where you've been able to give that gift um, in such a major way. I mean, we just, we, the fact that we can scale an organization because people love each other and they trust each other um, first and they do great work and they do it fast because of it is it's real. I, I didn't believe there was a company out like that anywhere, but uh, you found it, but I found it. I love it. We'll talk love soon. You. Thanks so much. Thanks,